Well, good, good morning, Calvary. My name is Ronald Sanchez. For those of you who do not know me, I want to introduce myself uh, and tell you a little bit about who I am. I have been working here at Calvary as the Associate Minister of Missions since August 2021. Um, I'm also married to my... Where's my wife? She was... Oh, she's there. Okay. I looked over there. I didn't see her. I'm like, the rapture happened. No, she's there. Um, so, yeah, I'm married to my, my beautiful wife, Alex. Uh, we both also serve with the collegiate ministry. And um, we have three children. The youngest member of our family came last year in 20, um, 2022, Edric. So Emma, Eva, and Edric, all with ease. Well, uh, today I want to talk to you about this beautiful passage. We sang it multiple times. And it's probably one of the most passages known uh, to the world and, and also to us as followers of Jesus. So open your Bibles with me to John chapter 3, verses 16 through 21. <clears throat> John chapter 3, verses 16 through 21. I'm going to be reading from uh, ESV. Uh, and also the scripture will be in, in the, the screen up there. And it says this. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe in him is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only son of God. And this is a judgment. The light came into the world, and people loved the darkness rather than the light, because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. As I told you earlier, we have three kids, Edric, the youngest one, um, is, is about to turn a year and a month. And something that I like to see from time to time is his expression when he has been in the darkness for a very long time. And I turn on the lights all of a sudden. Don't think of me as an evil man. I promise you I'm a good father. At least I try to be. But I like to turn on the lights and then see his face. He's, you know, he's trying to get adjusted. He makes his like, cute little faces. Uh, but something that happens, though, is that his eyes are, the, the reason he makes his faces is because his eyes are trying to get adjusted to the new level of light. He's, he's, he's has gone from, you know, a very dark place to being exposed to lots of light suddenly, so it, it can be a little bit painful to the eye. I, I don't do it because I want to see him in pain, just the cute little faces. But, you know, I can make a decision uh, as his father to keep him in the dark at all times, because I don't want my son to experience that exposure to the light and that pain in his eyes, or I can just bring him to the light as, as his father. Um, you see, the love of God towards a world that was broken was revealed by the provision of his son. In the darkness and condemnation that we faced, God provided a way out. When the only thing that we could see and love was darkness, he, he provided light. Um, when the light comes into a place of darkness, as I, as I just mentioned, it creates some disturbance 
It's not easy to go from a place that is very dark to a place where there's a lot of light. And you have probably experienced this if you have been exposed to darkness for a long period of time. If the lights turn on, you know, there's that pain that comes to our eyes. It takes some time for, for our eyes to get adjusted to this new level of light. Nobody, however, will recommend that you keep yourself or keep your eyes closed forever to avoid the pain that comes from being exposed to the light. See, in a similar way, when Jesus came to the world, he brought his light. He brought light like there was never seen before. When we were in darkness, the light came into the world. When, we, uh, when the light came, we were exposed. This creates some disturbance. Do you remember the first time that somebody presented the gospel to you? How you might have reacted when you heard for the first time that you needed a savior, that you were not good, that your good works could not save you, that you were not good enough to be saved on your own. Do you remember this? This is create some kind of discomfort in you. Were you in shock when you first heard this? We must remember that we must not forget that although this was painful, although being exposed to the light might have been a little bit painful, it came from a place of love. It says here, for God so loved the world. The source of this light that came into the world didn't come from hate. It didn't come from a place of condemnation. It came from a place of love. It came from the heart of the Father. You see, God did not send his only son to condemn the world, but he sent his son to save the world. God's light of salvation was a free gift of his love. We condemn ourselves by loving darkness and hating light. Uh, the light that, because we're afraid of what the light may show us about ourselves. You see, all, all throughout the Bible, Ever since Genesis chapter 3, the people of God have been looking for the light of God, the promised Savior of God. And now that the promised Savior of Scripture, the Scripture talked about in the Old Testament, uh, was finally here. Um, but he came in a way that was not expected. He came uh, to do much more than what everybody else was expecting him to do. Some people may have been waiting for a personal savior, someone who was going to make their finances better, make their marriages better, heal them from their illness. Someone who was going to just make their personal lives better. And it is true that when Jesus came, he did miracles, he healed the sick, he resurrected the dead, he amended the broken families. But he came to do so much more than that. He came to heal the terminal illness that we had, sin. He also came to amend the broken relationship we had with the Father. And he came to give us something much better than very good finances. He came to give us abundant life. 
Others, on the other hand, were probably expecting someone who was going to make their situation for, for their region, for their people better, uh, save them from a tyrannical government. In this case, the Jews were governed and, and by, by the Roman Empire, a tyrannical government that will do whatever they wanted. And we know from scripture that this is probably the kind of savior that the Jews were expecting. Someone who was going to save their people. But thank God. Thank God that he didn't just love some people. He loved the world. You see, the, the light that, that Jesus brought was not only for the Jews. It was not only for the Middle Easterns. It was not only for the Roman Empire. It was for the world because the world was condemned. This light that came to the world was not only for the Europeans. It was not for the Africans. It was not for the Asians only. It was not for the Hispanics. It was for the world. It was for the world. But God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. So we, as we were singing earlier, we praise him. Praise God. Why do we praise him? Why do we praise God? Well, we praise him because he has taken us from darkness to light. Matthew 4, 16, it says this. The people living in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, light has dawned. We praise God. Why do we praise him? We praise him because he helped us to walk in light. Not only does he take us from darkness to light, but he helps us to continue to walk in light. John chapter 8 verse 12. It says, when Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. We praise God. And why do we praise him? Well, we praise him because we have now a divine purpose in his light. First Peter 2.9 says, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. We praise God. Why do we praise him? Well, we praise him because he makes us participants of his light. Matthew 5, 16, it says, In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Now, some of you who are listening may say, well, this is very interesting and nice, but surely there are other ways that we can get to God. There must be other lights in the world that we can follow. And isn't it a little bit arrogant for us to think that Jesus is the only way to God? Isn't it a little bit arrogant to think that this is the only way? And this is what is called religion pluralism. And this is the view of God. This is the view that all religions lead to God. At least all major religions have a path to God. You see, with the growth of a, of a pluralistic society, uh, the different worldviews and different frameworks that exist around our context are infiltrating even the evangelical church. 
Here's some stats for you by the Brana Group Research Organization. They say, they found this. 25% of born again Christians, this is people who confess Jesus as Lord and Savior. 25%, they say that all people are eventually saved or accepted by God. 26% said that it doesn't matter what religious faith you follow because they all teach the same lessons. And even a larger percentage, 40%, listen to this, 40% of born again, again Christians, people who confess Jesus as Christ, Jesus as Lord, they believe that Christians and Muslims worship the same God. Although there are some things that we may share in what we teach with other major religions, for example, we have some common moral values that we teach, there exist fundamental and irreconcilable differences. You see, other religions, this is what they say. Salvation is good works must be greater than your bad works. Jesus says salvation is faith in the perfect work I did for you. Totally different. Other religion says, trust in what you do. Jesus says, trust in what I've done. You see, we cannot and we don't worship the same God. Our good, good works cannot save us. And you know why? Because in, as verse 19 says, when they were exposed to the light, they were found to be evil. You see, even this, when, when I'm preaching to you right now, as I was getting prepared to do a good thing, I got upset a couple of times. I'm like, oh my gosh, to my kids. I'm like, when am I going to have time to finish this? Even my good works are stained with darkness, with sin. Verse 19 says, and this is a judgment. The light has come into the world and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. God, if he's a good God, he cannot accept are evil works. You see, the meta story of the Bible, the big story of the Bible is about God intervening in human history to save us when we were completely lost. Because the story of the Bible shows over and over again that humankind fell time after time, every test that God will put before them. But Jesus didn't. We know that. Every other religion of the world is about do this, do that, do these good works. There's a list of rules that you may follow. And hopefully at the end, you will have accumulated many good works that if they're put on a balance, will wait more than your bad works and then you will be forgiven. Hopefully. Someone may say, well, Ronald, I have not killed. I have not stolen anything in my life I, I'm not sleeping around I give money to the poor I try to be a very religious person I try to do good things I am I think a pretty good person compared to a lot of people around me and to that I would like to ask have you ever felt envy in your heart have you ever considered yourself better than others have you ever looked down at somebody because they do all these bad things that you just mentioned? 
that just were mentioned? In other words, have you ever been self-righteous? You see, all of us will fall into one of these two categories. We're either the pleasure seekers or the self-righteous. We are either like the thief on the cross who had killed and stolen. Or we can be like Nicodemus, someone who was very religious, who knew everything about there was to know about the law and probably followed the law pretty good. Yet... Jesus' response to Nicodemus and what he tells him is pretty much the same thing he tells the thief on the cross. He tells him, you must be born again. You must look up to the son who's going to be lifted up like the serpent in the desert and believed in him. That is how you're saved. That is how you're saved. It was, both of them were called to believe and to repent Neither of them could have been saved by their good works. And what he teaches us is that we all are in need of a savior and his name is Jesus. It is not arrogant to think of Jesus as the only way. Uh, Dennis Hollinger, uh, Dr. Hennis, Dennis Hollinger, he said this. This is uh, someone who was involved in the C.S. Lewis Institute. He said this, to affirm the uniqueness of Christ for salvation is not cause for arrogance or and boasting. In fact, scripturally, it is exactly the opposite. Our salvation has nothing to do with our attainments, efforts, and native beliefs. In salvation, we do not find God through our own ingenuity. Rather, God finds us as we respond to his loving mercy in Christ as evidence on the cross. The embrace of Christ as Savior and Lord can never be touted as a cause for human triumph, smugness, and self-assertion. It is not of our superiority or cause for triumphalistic efforts in society. In other words, as Ephesians chapter 2 says, it is by grace that we have been saved through faith and this is not a result of our works so that no one can boast. It is the gift of God. So we thank God because while we were in darkness, he sent his light. He sent Jesus, the light of the world. Some people, some of you may even go as far as say, we don't need God. We alone can create our own light. We alone are the future of what this humanity needs. The future is only depending on what we can do. Uh, from this perspective, it is a responsibility of humankind to create this utopia, this perfect world on earth. It, it is a responsibility of humankind to create heaven on earth. And... The words of Jesus uh, go so against this. We cannot create heaven on earth. You know, at the philosophical level, this is a view of systems like communism and socialism. Uh, that Again, the desire to create this perfect world here on earth. Karl Marx, a philosopher, he said this. Religion is the side of the oppressed creature, the heart of the heartless world. And the soul of the soulless conditions, it is the opium of the people. 
to Marx, the commands of Jesus were that tool that, that other people in control used to, uh, to control the, the people. You know, he wanted to wake up people. Wake up from yourself. Wake up from this condition. And what he wanted them to think was they could become their own saviors by creating heaven on earth. To solve the problems of sickness and suffering, this view gives science as, as the answer. Uh, technology, science. Uh, so in other words, what, they, what this view says is uh, the more technology, the more science, the more advanced that we go in, in medicine, uh, the more of a utopia that we can create, the more of a heaven on earth that we can create. Uh, science and not God is what is going to make a world a better place. <clears throat> now, I, know te- I love technology, okay? I, I am using a computer now uh, to look at my, my sermon notes. I have an iPhone and, and I also believe in medicine. If I'm sick, I'm going to go to the doctor. Hopefully, I'll get a vaccine. You know, we have seen how the technological advances have made it possible for uh, communication with people on the other side of the world Uh, this interconnection that we have, it has made it possible for medicine to eradicate some of deadly diseases like polio, uh, the smallpox that will kill three out of every 10 people who got it. Um, it, has, it has also made something like uh, we got the hepatitis uh, vaccine, hepatitis A vaccine, where before, at least in the United States, we will have 30,000 cases per year And now we have nearly, uh, this number has reduced by nearly 95%. So uh, these are good things. Technology is a good thing. Science is a good thing. But although we may have made many advances, if we look around, we can clearly see that the world is still a broken place. We are as broken as we were before. The World Health Organization uh, found these facts or found these uh, statistics. It says 13% rise in mental health conditions and substance use disorders in the last decade. They also found that 20% of the world's children and adolescents have a mental health condition with suicide being the second leading cause of death among 15 to 29 years old. If we start talking about wars and diseases, we can still see that although we have made many technological advances and science keep advancing, and even though we are in the most advanced civilization in history, there's still brokenness. We don't have to look too far because sometimes we make that error. Well, that's in these other places where... They don't have capitalism, but we can look inside the United States. We can look inside our neighborhoods, our streets, our cities, and still see brokenness. Um, we can see broken families. And most of us at this point probably know somebody who is struggling with some type of mental illness. Uh, we probably know somebody who has committed suicide, or we know somebody who knows somebody who has committed suicide. We see social injustice happening 
around us. And our usual response to these issues is, well, we just need to make the system work better. We have to change some things in the system. And I will say, well, yes, let's make some, let's make some changes. Let's try to make the system better. But ultimately, <clears throat> we have to know that the system will fail. And this is why. The system will fail because the system is composed of broken people. All systems in the world will always fail. Because the outside problems that we see, the outside problems that we try to face, they don't come from the outside, they come from within. James chapter 4 verses 1 through 3 says this, What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are within, are, are at war within you? You desire and you do not have. So you murder, you covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. Science, technology cannot deal with the problems that exist within men, that exist in the hearts of men. You see the Soviet Union, Cuba, China, Vietnam, North Korea, they say no to God and they place their faith and trust in, in other men and they try to look for salvation in other people, in a, in a government, in a system, and they fail. But once again, we don't have to look too far away. Um, we can look at our own country. We can look at our own people and see that we face similar problems. You see, I was born in Cuba, in case you didn't know. And Cuba was run by socialism and communism. Still is run by, by a socialist government. And I came to the United States and man, oh gosh, I love capitalism. Praise the Lord for capitalism, so much better than what I used to have. But I have found that from time to time, I tend to trust capitalism more than Christ. I tend to think that capitalism is the savior of the world and not Christ. I get so focused in the politics that are happening and people taking my capitalism away. I came from Cuba. How can we go back to socialism? Forgetting that it is not capitalism that saves. It is Christ that can save. And it is the only one who can save. Even at the church today, it's not, it's not hard to find people who, who trust more the system of governments rather than, than Christ. You know, capitalism or socialism, they're not the savior of the world. Only Christ is. John does not tell us, for God so loved the world that he gave us capitalism to save the world so that when the system is fully in place, the people shall be saved. That is not what it says. This is what it says, that God sent his only son when we were in darkness. That was God's provision for the world, for a world that was in darkness. He didn't give us 401ks and investments accounts. He didn't give us really big houses to save us so that we can be happy on earth. He came himself to shine his light on us. 
He came himself that we could see and walk in newness of life. And listen, one day, this is his promise. He promises that he's going to make all things new. He promises that he's going to deal with all the evil and the brokenness that exists. He promises that he's going to make a new heaven and a new earth. And this is what he says. I will dwell with my people and they shall be my people and I shall be their God. And I will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Not some tears, every tear from their eyes. And listen to this. This is how he deals with death and death shall be no more. You see, at the end of times, Jesus, not science, is going to heal our brokenness in his kingdom. Now, how do we have a place in that kingdom? It's the question. That's when we put our faith in Jesus. That's when we turn from darkness into light. So I want to make two calls today. I want to challenge you in two ways today. First of all, and I'll close with this. If you have not received Jesus, if you have not experienced his light in your life, today is a day of salvation. Today is the day that you can call upon the name of the Lord and be safe. Today is the day that you can leave all that brokenness behind and the light of Jesus can just shine on you. So if you have not made this decision to follow the light of the world, today is the day to do it. And number two, if you have received his light, if you have been walking with Jesus for a long time, this is what Jesus tells us. He says that you are the light of the world. He has given us the blessing. He has given us the opportunity to shine, not our light, but the light that he has placed in us to other people around us. So my challenge to you is this. I want you to ask yourself this question. How do I, how can I shine my light to the people around me? How can I, in the places where I am, with the people that I am, how can I shine the light of Jesus upon them? You see, because the world is broken, the world is condemned. And you and I have received this light. We, we have received this grace, but it's not only for us. It's, it's for us to share with others. So I want to challenge you with that. Number one, if you have not received Jesus, if you have not decided to follow Jesus, today is a day for salvation. Don't wait any longer. You see, Christ doesn't want you to try to save yourself to come to him. He says, come to you, all who are weary and thirsty, and I will give you rest. He says to you, come, you who are broken. In your brokenness, in your darkness, you can come to him. You don't have to try to shine some light on your own. You can come to the light. And it's going to help you to go from that place of darkness into his light. And number two, think, pray to Jesus. How do I shine my light? The light that you have placed in me to other people. It looks different with each one of us. We have different people that we hang out with. 
We have been placed in a, with different vocations, but he calls us to do this. He calls us to shine his light. So I want you to pray with me. Um, and I want you to pray where you're at, but also if, if you want to follow Jesus, you can come to the front or you can tell one of the pastors or deacons who are here as well. And we would like to pray for you and we would like to show you what it means to follow Jesus. So pray with me, church, and we're going to uh, worship the Lord. Father, we thank you because you have taken us from darkness. Uh, because uh, you loved us, you loved us great. And you show us that our works were evil and that we needed saving. Um, and I pray, Lord, that if there's somebody here who doesn't know you, who is not walking in newness of life, that they may come to respond and that they may come to follow you. Lord, we love you. Father, for those of us who have been walking with you, who have seen your light, who have been shaken by your light, I pray, Lord, that we will invite others to come and see, to come and see your light. Uh, I pray that we will go to the dark places of the world and that with your light that we will push darkness with the power of the Holy Spirit. Father, we love you and it is in the precious name of Jesus not the savior of some people or group, not the savior of a region, but the savior of the world that we pray. Amen.